Welcome back to the More Than Mothering podcast, episode number 16. I'm your host, Crystal Hardstar from The Gentle Counselor, where I specialize in perinatal mental health and parenting support. And today on the podcast, we're joined with Gemma from Together Perinatal, and we have a really juicy chat today. So, you know, warning for maybe some swear words being thrown around. If you have little ears around, you might want to pop your headphones in. We're going to be talking about acknowledging the shit show, (laughs) the power (laughs) of the collective experience of motherhood. And I love that Gemma came up with this title, but I'm more interested for you to learn about Gemma and hear where she's come from, what she does in her business. So Gemma, do you want to start by introducing yourself to everyone? Sure. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to having this chat. Um, Yes, my name is Gemma Smith and I am a perinatal counsellor, a social worker, and I work in Cooper in Brisbane. I work with mainly women who are pregnant or in sort of like semi-newly postpartum. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, Prior to that, I was working in HR, in inclusion and diversity. Um, That was before I had my own kids. So I guess that's kind of like where it all starts um, because I didn't really have much of an idea of what motherhood would be like before it happened to me and then saw some pretty gaping holes and um, here Mm. we are. I think that's what happens to a lot of us, to be honest. I feel that sentiment is very much similar in my own story of realizing what it's like because I went from working primarily with children to then working with adults because I saw that was actually where the attention was needed more and also that ripple effect of supporting the parents and then that supports the children from that. Absolutely, yes. And I think so many people come to my work And they're kind of like, oh, it's just really weird because, like, once you're pregnant, people don't care about you anymore. Everybody's like, how's the baby doing? And, like, when's the baby coming? And what's happening with the baby? And, you know, um, even this week, actually, you know, one of my clients is semi-newly pregnant and we were just talking about, like, oh, that's so overwhelming with all of this information that we just don't know. Mm. Um, and, And I guess, actually, one of the things and kind of going to talking about the shit show of motherhood is that we don't we don't know what being a mum means and we derive like all of this meaning from really random sources. Mm-hmm. Um, like TV shows where it's like Stepford Wives style or the 1950s housewife where they're all like high on cocaine, but we forget about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it made a lot of parenting a lot easier. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... getting the housework done. <laughs> And it's not even shows about mums, right? A lot of what we learn about motherhood from shows is what we don't see in the shows. Mm -hmm. We never see shows that show any of the monotony of motherhood. We don't see shows that show, show the realness because, and we all know why, it is sometimes terrible and boring and it doesn't have all of the things that we love in entertainment. Mm. Like we love that we love the drama of the Stepford Wives or whatever else is <laughs> on. We love kind of the hype of all of that. Humans love that like romance type stuff. Like we love that drama. And with kids, you know, they often take us to that place that is like slow. Mm. And like they're obviously dramatic AF sometimes, but not in the same way. They're dramatic in a way that is like hard. Yeah, it's like taxing on you, like sucks the energy out of you. And Mm. like if you had a television show that accurately represented, you know, a character who's a mum with a baby, you wouldn't have the show because that hour would have just been spent trying to get that baby to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Or just a screaming toddler for an hour straight. (laughs) Yeah. Or just trying to do one household task. Like that is how it would be. So we don't see that represented. It gets glossed over. And then when we're in it and we're like, why is this so hard? When Mm. on TV we see people with the baby in their arm and we see people's kids walk through the frame and say something funny and walk out. You know, we don't see motherhood before Mm. we 
with it. Yeah, we see the nice like glossed over lipstick version where it's made to look pretty and all the wonderful things, which yes, we know it has all those wonderful aspects. Of course, we all love our children and we have those enjoyable moments. And it's just that there's none of the balance between seeing the other side. And I think for myself, that really only happened not only from my own experience being literally pushed into the deep end and being like, oh, okay, this is actually what it's like. And then going into like Facebook groups and hearing everyone else's stories and then making friends and then with, you know, the few good friends where you can be vulnerable and share, then having those honest conversations where you know you're not going to get judgment and you just feel more seen and less alone. But I don't think we have that enough. And also it took me a really long time to even get to that point in having friendships like that. I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. Yeah, I think from the, uh, I guess some context is um, my first pregnancy was very uh, planned. So we like did want to have a baby and then we got one and I was very grateful for that. But also it was like such a shock that when, when it happened, it was like, oh, wow, okay, like this is all very real. And I was only just, just ready. You know, I said mm-hmm. like, I will finish my master's and I'll go overseas. And when we get back, we'll settle down and try for a baby. And within like a very, very short period of time that had all happened. So super quick. <laughs> yeah. And this is another super taboo subject, right? Because we all know about the sort of like harrowing infertility journeys mm-hmm. that people can go through. So yeah. something that pe- people don't actively say out loud a lot is that if people do get pregnant quite quickly, there is no support on that end of the scale because everyone's like, oh no, I, like, <laughs> and so you're, you're literally starting your journey in shame. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so guilt. interesting. Cause I, we were the same cause I have two living children and we didn't have any issues conceiving them. And I know some people might be listening to this who know since then I have, I'm now in an infertility struggle. I'm experiencing inf- secondary infertility, infertility loss. Um, yeah. But so it's, for me, it's interesting because I'm actually experiencing both ends of both. that spectrum where we literally thought about getting pregnant, bam, got pregnant with both our kids that we have and compared to now where it's not happening. And I never made that connection until you just said that, that I have always been very wary in mentioning that to people or I'll put a joke. Like I'll say, oh, we were one of those annoying people that falls pregnant straight away. And you're right. It's already living in that space of shame. Mm. Yep. Yes. So from the second that it happens, because you are, well, a lot of people, so I see people in counselling who present like this a lot. They come in and they're like, this was planned and it happened really fast. And I'm super overwhelmed and I don't know because there was no lead up and I now I'm just in it yeah. and I'm like freaking out and I also don't feel like I should say that out loud. And I'm yeah. like, yes, <laughs> but also this is the perfect way to start unlearning all this stuff that we mm. need to unlearn in motherhood where we can definitely be very um, open to supporting everybody's experiences which do also sometimes include getting pregnant quickly and completely kind of being just in it so Mm. straight away that it's so overwhelming so I just felt like when that happened to me I was like oh my god and I just was like excited and then also just had no idea what I was doing um you know so many people get into pregnancy and like I didn't even know that pregnancy started from your last period like you even find out yeah so I'm there like calculating my um private health insurance almost to the week Mm. that you know in case it worked and then I got to the doctor and then she's like oh no we count it from this date so you know I had like a three week window there where if my son had been born any earlier than he was Mm. we wouldn't have had insurance yeah yeah it's like how do you get to 29 and not know that to make you feel better, same. I have, I the most that I've learned about my body, the women's body, the cycle in its entirety has been yep. now, and I'm like 32. Right. Yeah. Same. So if it makes you feel better, I didn't learn about that pregnancy thing until I was pregnant as well. You're like, oh, I'm four weeks, even though I, it's been like two weeks. Two weeks. In my exactly. brain. Yeah. Right. And this is also about that if we 
if we had this kind of thing of acknowledging truths and things and being able to be really open about the experiences, people who are fully fledged adults and women and who are actively trying to have a baby mm. would know that about themselves. Yeah. We see heaps of people having to learn just in general about fertility and the fact that, you know, like we ovulate at a certain time and then this is the actual window of fertility and like all of these things that so many of us don't even learn until that point in our life. Like that seems wild and that's it's just bizarre, another thing. Isn't it? Just learning <laughs> yeah. as you go, which I guess is part of the human experience of learning as you go. But I think in certain things like this, where we actually already have access to that information, it should right. be shared more wildly. And that's and- what I don't understand how we're missing that completely. It's like the only thing we we're ever taught about our bodies was that we bleed once a month. And this is how you hide it. This is how you like hide your pad or tampon in a purse or in your pocket. So no one knows you're on it. And you know, those kind of conversations, which is a whole other topic we could talk about around the shame of the menstrual cycle. Yeah. And that was it. That's all we learned about. Yeah. And all of these things kind of point to what the culture says about what's important, right? So even though this is like very biologically important for literally humanity, (laughs) because it is a women's thing and historically that these things are a bit taboo and have not been held with the highest of importance we're not given that information and that is absolutely the same as information about mothering and motherhood yeah don't you love living in a patriarchal society (laughs) i mean i think the thing about all of this and you know i know that this type of conversation also really gets to some people because you know Mm. people come into these things and it feels very negative but i think what i like to kind of reframe it as is like we can we can like understand where we're at and we can Mm. we can state kind of how things are without feeling like you know yeah why bother and why try we should be like I totally agree with what you're saying because yes we can complain about it and be upset about it and I think that's valid I think women are allowed to complain about a lot of things to be honest um (laughs) but I think for myself because I I have a daughter I also think wow look how much information I'm going to be able to share with her and how different is her experience going to be. And I think that's one of the positives that we can look at. And to be honest, I don't even know why I'm only saying daughter. My son's going to learn about all this as well. My kids, I was just about to say that. My kids already know. They've literally watched me put on a pad in my underwear because, you know, when you have children, there's absolutely no privacy in your household. But also I was like, well, they need to learn about this. And so my daughter knows. She's seven years old now and she knows about periods happening once a month and all that stuff. And we've found books that are really wonderful for teaching that and videos. And yep. that's also, I think what I was saying at the beginning about that ripple effect. So I think if we can look at it in that sense of unpacking our story and our experience, and like you said, unlearning the more larger societal way that that has impacted women in general, then you find talking about it out loud, like podcasts like this one is helping yep. with the more collective community aspect but then all of us do have a choice in what we do individually, not only for ourselves and learning about our bodies and all the amazing things, but then also passing that on to our children, which if you listen to this podcast, it's likely that you're a parent and you have a child. Yes. Yeah. And I really love, um, there's a few like sexologists and things that I follow and who I've had on my podcast. And I really love their discussion around, you know, like sex for such a long time has been such a taboo thing. Mm. <laughs> especially then when we talk about sex and motherhood because those two things just like usually you know from lots of people's perspectives it's like oh yeah uh, it's like when you become a mom you're not allowed to be a sexual being anymore (laughs) well because partly because we've got that cultural view of like you've fulfilled your requirement Mm. Mm. you've done the thing you were the sexy thing that (laughs) had the baby and congratulations you've now you know ticked that off the list where you know I think there's some really good conversations but in in that they were talking about how you know we can't take our children to places that we can't sit in so something that they were talking a lot about is how you know when we when we all collectively talk about these things that still feel uncomfortable for our generation then we all get actually more comfortable with them and then therefore our children do so I really like that too um 
And, yes. you know, I hadn't really reflected a lot that I felt like our generation actually was quite progressive. But mm. then when I talked to so many people, like, you know, even in the context of a counseling session, like to actually, you know, when people start talking about their sex life or something like that as a parent, you know, people, everybody's still giggling. Yes. And like they people shy are away. still, mm. yeah, it's, we, we're shying away from it. It's like, I love the fact that there are going to be so many more conversations about, you know, sex and all of the other things that people come to talk to me about. And that's actually one thing that I wanted to probably like list, I guess, and Mm. I'm sure you have something like this as well, but like the people come to me mainly to talk about things like them being challenged with the fact that their identity has changed as a mother. Yeah or their relationships have changed as a mother, that they feel anger a lot as a mother, which is not something they had thought Mm. that they would feel, (laughs) Um, that it brought up a lot of trauma for them. Mm. That's another big one, Um, which you wouldn't think again because we get sold this thing of like, you know, having kids is fulfilling and will make you happy, sort of like not really. They're (laughs) just balls of triggers really. (laughs) (laughs) They really are balls of triggers and fulfilment. Through this really, you know, fiery yeah. <laughs> development process. <laughs> um, but then um, also people trying to figure out how to, what their roles look like, you know, especially with careers and things mm. like what, how does that work in yeah. this current, we, we have nobody to go off because our parents did it differently because they're historically in a different time. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a role model for that. Yeah. And so the amount of things that you're even listing now, and I can still even think of more and even people listening and thinking of more. And it's like, that's why this feels like a shit show. Because <laughs> it's yes. not just one thing, even though we're talking about, yeah, of the motherhood experience, but with motherhood, that's like one of our identities that we give ourselves amongst all these other things. And also your identity of motherhood is still changing and impacting in all those areas with work, with the relationship, with your friendships, with your body image with sexuality, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. all those things is still altered a little bit. And if we're not talking about it, not only are we not hearing other people's stories, which is really valuable because they might have a different or similar experience and that's valuable in itself, but also for you to be able to verbalize that and be heard and witnessed by others is really important to feeling like that's your time and your story and you're able to process that that's really important yeah yes um something that I love to do um I often speak at mother's groups and I do the same sort of thing in all of them because it's so good exactly that we talk about something that has been a surprise and something that has been a challenge Mm. that will take up the hour easily with like 10 people even if I were to answer that now easily we would be speaking for an hour again (laughs) right and the good part is that it covers all of these things and several other things and even in a group of like 10 to 15 people absolutely there are going to be people in there with similar experiences so they can look and go oh like I thought I was just failing or like that person looked like she got here and she was totally fine but actually she's not fine and I find that comforting that has to be the biggest thing I've learned in since I've started working as a counselor is you just should actually always assume that every person you see on the street is going through something because you can't pick it by the way someone's looking or acting sometimes you can but people are also can be very good at masking and hiding it. And even what you're talking about with like the having the mother circles or mother's groups to go to, I think it's a way that you can beautifully combine having empathy for others and also compassion for yourself. And I was thinking mm. that even when we were talking about the fertility side, like whether you've fallen pregnant straight away or you've taken longer, you can have empathy for others that are in a different or challenging situation and still compassionate to yourself to alleviate some of that shame that we might be feeling around that. And I think those are two things that we're really missing because I feel like a lot of us haven't been modeled how to do that. We've been modeled maybe like being sympathetic, but empathy is a little bit different and challenging, especially if you haven't experienced someone being empathetic empathetic towards you. Um, Mm. And then self-compassion. I mean, I can't think of one role model that would have modeled that to me at all and being kind to yourself I've only ever seen in movies like we're talking about or heard other people 
speaking not kindly about themselves. So I think those are two really important skill sets that is going to help alleviate a lot of that pressure that we're feeling. And it's hard too, because it takes time and a lot of practice to be able to implement that to a level where it feels not fake too. Yes. And it requires that context because if we're going to be nice to ourselves, you know, we're humans and we all work within, you know, everybody says you shouldn't compare yourself to others, blah, 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 Mm, which is like biologically that is how we have survived this Mm. long because we, that's how we keep ourselves safe. We look around and we see, you know, who's got what skills, who's better at this, who's going to be bigger, stronger, who's going to do this, who's got, you know, like that is how we assess the world. So telling us to not do that is very unhelpful telling us to do it in a way that's like, okay, what does this person have and and how can they do that? And then what does that mean that I bring? And also mm. if I hear all of these stories, then I might've been being really mean to myself about the fact that my toddler is having so many meltdowns because prior to having information, I think I'm failing because they're losing their mind. Yeah, yeah. But then you hear everybody saying like no actually this is my life and this is the shit show that happened trying to get this person's socks on then you can be like oh okay well I'm not personally failing and motherhood Mm. is such a experience where we're like kind of sold that thing of personal failure if you find it hard then you can do better it's like Yes, there's always room for like us doing things that help us to be positive, but also it's hard because it actually just is hard. Yes. What you just said then about like doing better. I was reading a really interesting article the other day. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was something about how the 90s mothers, which is largely where we've all come from, like in that age period, were that generation where it was women can have it all. And it was talking about how that's now affected us because we saw great role models of women getting into, you know, higher job positions or, you know, equality, like all those kind of things and having their family and all those things. But then the side effect of that that we're seeing now is that that pressure was so high to look like you were achieving 100% in all those areas. And that's also contributing to why we feel like we're failing. And I'm putting that in inverted comments for those of you who are listening (laughs) and not watching me. Um, Because we're thinking that we have to be to that standard of women can have it all, girls can have it all, like girl power, being a superhero mom, like all of these empowering words. But (laughs) there was no balance to that. And so it's like we went from one extreme to another and I think we're all still trying to figure out how to find balance or even check in with ourselves like is that even what I want Mm. so it's also Mm. that like you were saying that comparison I find a lot of time comparison can even be I don't know if misled's the right word but maybe not actually in tune with like your inner compass of what you're wanting for yourself it's more that we're being told what we think we want And I know like social media is a big one for that for me, like where you get that influence from whether it's like the wellness industry or Mm -hmm. children's clothing or toys or parenting styles or Montessori, like all those things. And it's like information overload. And you think, oh, I'm supposed to be doing all these things because that person's doing it. Yes. Yes. Social media is such a double-edged sword, I feel like, in this space. Because one thing that we know, right, is... Uh, social connection is the most important like preventative factor for mental health for literally everybody, including mothers. So we need to be connected. And in motherhood, it is quite often one of the most isolating times of our entire lives. (laughs) And what's the easiest place to reach for community? Your phone. Right. And that actually is. And that's not like a what's the easiest place in a like lazy way. It just actually is. It's it's right there. Mm. And, And, you know, you're not you're not going to go out and chat and ha- go and play sport with other people because you're up at three o'clock breastfeeding your baby <laughs> yeah. or feeding your baby, you know, like whatever is going on. So if you're doing that and if you want to feel connected to others, then there's a good chance that you will be on your phone mm. and there is really great places to connect on there and really important stuff on there. But then there's all of the other stuff as well. Yeah. 
and that's one of the things like that is um really important about the process of motherhood and the shit show is filtering the shit like yes sometimes where we need to get to a place where we're like you know what let's assess this when I look at this how do I feel and if I feel like shit I'm just gonna stop doing that and Mm. this could even be stuff that you like you know, there are like some people on Instagram who I really like and I was following, but you know, if I'm in like a period of self-doubt or something and I'm watching their stuff, then I'm going to start going into a hole because I'm like, I can't be as good as that person. Yeah, yeah. So I just stop following for a bit. It doesn't mean that I don't like that person. I actually do. But for a second, I'm just going to take a moment and not look at that while I just do my own thing because that is who I am and that yeah. is why. I think that's such good advice to tell people like it's okay to unfollow accounts that don't make you feel good, even if you liked that person. And I think there's a few things that contribute to that that makes it really interesting. And something I've learned about is the term parasocial relationships, which essentially talks about how when you're watching someone so much online, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, you your because your brain is seeing this person's face talk to you essentially it makes you think that you're actually in a relationship um with that with person them. they call it parasocial just if anyone wants to hear that term and google it I'm acting like I know everything about this I don't I'm just sharing something I've been learning no, about no it's really good but no, it I like makes that. Yep. you feel even more connected to that person which has been even interesting in my job because in some part it's actually made clients feel more comfortable to come to see me because they feel like they already know me and they feel a bit familiar but that's also jarring for me because I don't know them because I'm the face, not necessarily knowing who they are. And also this can be very influential in who you're following, the parenting style, whatever the thing is, that then they're influencing you and what you, your beliefs are going to be or what you're going to buy from them if they're an influencer, for example, because yeah. of this parasocial relationship. And in saying that, so many of my really good friends now are people I've met on the internet, even though we were all warned not to talk to strangers on the internet. And <laughs> so like, I, how good is this? It's just like finding balance in the context. So like I can understand how a parasocial relationship may work where I feel like I know this person I'm following, but they literally have no idea who I am. And I need to keep that in mind when I'm DMing them or whatever it might be. And also there are people I have connected with who where it's been like a mutual exchange and getting to know each other. And they're really good friends of mine now. And that is, those are two very different things, but both have given me different things, even in my motherhood experience. And unfollowing some of those accounts is really necessary when you feel that pang of like guilt or, oh, I didn't look like that after my postpartum because they've just had a baby and they've got a flat stomach. Or one of my biggest gripes, and I talk about it quite a lot, is like parenting coaches or parenting experts and their standard is like perfect parenting and they don't at all acknowledge context or any of the hard stuff. They just have this information of you must be a better parent and that can be very overwhelming and apply a lot of pressure to. And, and also, so, that, yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, you know, like um, some of it too is really hard to figure out what to filter because mm. um, there are lots of accounts and I'm sure you follow some of these as well, but like a lot of the psychology accounts there is a heap of really good information yeah. in there, but we can all, and even within this, we can overdo it. Yes. Like we can also overdo self-help. We can overdo yes. anything. So I feel like part of this, like acknowledging things is to acknowledge like, okay, if I'm like hitting a limit here in any of these things, I actually, maybe I need to stop trying to continually find the solution yeah. to this one thing just yeah. for a moment and just pause for a second so that I can come back to it. Um, I, I think um, one of the things that a friend and I were talking about it in the context of dating, but I said to her, this is so relevant in the context of motherhood as well. Choice, right? Mm. So we were talking about why was it so you know, easy before to find a partner and be somewhat happy with them over the long term because we didn't actually see the billions of other people mm. in the world. Yeah. This is something Esther Perel talks a lot about. Um, she's a real, uh, one of the sort of like worldwide 
people who yeah, she's very great. good yeah um with relationships mm. so she talks about the fact that the more choice we have the less sure we are of anything particularly the choice that we do make because we can also see all the choices we didn't make that's so interesting it's like the whole grass is greener on the other side analogy and that's constantly in our face and it's not that it's not true either you know and I think this is where this is where it gets confusing for our generation Mm. because we're the first to have had all of this it's not that it's not true so in a dating sense it's not that it's not true that you may not find somebody else who does meet those needs better or Mm. you know but it'll always there'll always be some sort of context around it and in motherhood it's not that it's not true that your wife it may improve if you buy that glow dreaming light or whatever and it (laughs) totally may not like that may be your best purchase you've ever made but it also might not be and it really depends on like why you're purchasing it in the first place why whether you are doing it yeah you know like there's just so many choices in motherhood Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, we're not good at feeling really comfortable about the choices that we make because we're just, we can always see what other people are doing yeah. or all of the new choices that we have since we made the choice we made. Yes. And you can make a choice so quickly, like immediately, <laughs> rather than a choice you may be pondering on something for like a week. It's more immediate. And I think we feel that sense of like urgency. Especially if it is something like, for example, being sleep deprived because children yes. still want to torture you and wake you up at night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which and, I've been and, there. <laughs> absolutely. And also, like, I think the other tricky part of all of this is that all of this is totally valid. And it's not to yeah. say, like, you know, all of us have made a purchase that we're like, oh, wow, that probably was not something I necessarily did need. Or, you know, that was definitely made in a moment where I was feeling like, you know, where I was like vulnerable almost because yeah. I was just being pushed to the brink with something. Um, but this is another reason why I think sometimes having, you know, more context to people's real experiences is a good thing. Yes. Um, and and you have to hear that different context as well and how everyone thought about it, felt about it, reacted to it, responded to it. Yeah. Right. And so, like, for me, that has always looked like my mother's group. Um, I just did one of the community health ones. And then I'm, like, a real spreadsheet person and a real lover of just, like, leading groups. So I just kind of, like, accidentally became our unofficial (laughs) coordinator (laughs) during that time. But um, I really love that because we still chat all the time. We have our group chat and always for a really long time in the early days especially, but even still now, always somebody will post in there like, hey, because we're all at the same stage, what are you guys doing for sleep suits? Or like, what are you putting Mm. your kid in right now? Or like, how did you make, you know, and now we're all like, which school, how are we choosing schools? Um, But, you know, then we can all hear each other's rationality and how we're reasoning these things. And then we can have some form of context from which to make a choice. Yes. And also, even in that, you're probably going to have everyone having different things that they're going to say. And then Mm -hmm. everyone being okay with your answers being different, too. Yes. That's been a really nice thing throughout the whole thing. One prime example that I thought of as soon as you said that is we, there were 16 of us in our group and we all sent our children to different daycares. Yeah. And we all live in the same area. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So they're all somewhere different. And that means each of us went to different places, found value in certain things that aligned Mm. with ourselves and then we've all supported each other with all of those choices. Yeah. So that has been a really good thing. And that's another reason why knowing that you can then reflect on like, oh, wow, that just does mean that this is, there are a lot of individual things to this. So I also don't need to do what everyone yes. else is doing. <laughs> it's not so black and white. There's a lot of gray area and you have to get comfortable being in the gray area. Because what you want to do is probably a lot of the time not going to be the exact same as someone else. And like you said, the context is important. There's going to be a lot of different factors into making decisions about certain things like that. And also, I think that we tend to forget that you can also change your choice. Like if you choose to do something and it's not what you thought it was going to be, then you can pull back from that. You don't have to keep fighting and seeing it through. If you are not happy with that decision, you can always stop. 
Yeah. And I think probably what is the hardest part about that in parenthood is the fact that children are one of the only things that are very permanent. And this is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying this is. But literally everything else, if you're finding it hard, you can change or pause or do something. It with being a parent, you and un- you can't pause, and I think that's very hard. Mm. We're used to being able to reassess or to yeah put things on pause if we need a moment, if we need to figure something out. And here with children, we can't pause in the same way. Mm-hmm. We can obviously have like supports, and I'm sure you do as well as I do. Like you know, we talk with people about how we can have those pausing moments and reset, but you know, you tell that to any mum who's going through weeks of sickness with their kids and there is no pause and there is no space for anything. It's a really hard thing because every single other thing that you can do, you can just pause if you have to. Yeah, That's a really good point. (laughs) Sometimes you are in the thick of it and there is no way out. And there's also kind of not supposed to be a way out. No. Because not everything is meant to feel comfortable and happy and easy all the time. We're going to have those low points. And it's good to know that and expecting it. It just sucks when you're in it. And then you're so relieved when you're on the other side of it. But when you're in the thick of it, sometimes it's just, yeah, this sucks right now. And that's all there is to it. Yes. Yes. And people, we are not set up for success in dealing with feeling uncomfortable This is something that our parents' generation did terribly because they also helped us to avoid feeling uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. most of our life Um, in a way that they were, you know, doing in a loving way because they had capability to do that. Same with their parents as well, like the whole intergenerational side of it, yeah. Yeah, and, and like none of that is bad. It's just the fact that we are not set up to deal with that. Another um relationship thing with the Esther Perel um, sort of situation she was talking about how that works in relationships where you know people a long time ago like they didn't expect things to be good there was wars yeah you know people that medicine wasn't as good you know lots of like very bad things would happen to a lot of people so there was never an expectation that anything would be nice and if it was Mm. nice people were like Wow, that's nice. That's what this How feels good. like. <laughs> How good. Um, great. But anyway, back to just drudgery. Sucking. <laughs> yeah. But in some way, that set, you know, there was they weren't there having like an existential crisis that they weren't happy. They were just like, you know, the world You have hard. to get on with it, yeah. And not get on with it in a way of like don't feel your feelings, but they didn't have the feelings to feel because they there was no – they weren't like, why there's a problem with me because I'm not happy. Mm. They're like, you know, the world this is, is how hard. it is. Yeah. Bad things happen when now like we are, it's another double-edged sword. We're in a beautiful time in history where we have great modern medicine. We have access to so much information. We have, you know, all the things. We have all of these resources and that in turn also accidentally makes us unhappy because we feel like we should be able to be happy because everything is fine. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a really hard thing, especially in motherhood where there's that kind of cultural expectation that you're going to, that this is going to be, you know, um, a really fun and positive experience Mm. Mm. when actually like motherhood is yes. Overall, it's a wonderful experience. Mothering and parenting in general, like a lot of it really sucks. What do you feel like has been the most like impactful thing that you've implemented or like lesson that you've learned in your personal journey or like something that you wish you could go back and tell yourself at the very beginning if there was any magical advice? You know what I think is that like the weirdest part I mean, one, definitely learn about matrescence and just like what that is and Mm. how we go through that as a process so that there's an understanding. But I really, and something that I say to a lot of people is I think the problem is that there is no one piece of advice. 
and that we need to be much better at acknowledging that this is a process. Yeah. So unlike something you can learn and then know and then do, this is like this is a kind of lifelong process. Mm. And we and we actually learn a whole heap better from like having to make a lot of mistakes and then get really resilient to that. Like it's a resilience building thing, isn't it? It is. Like over over time. Um, And we get more sure of ourselves because once we've made all of these decisions, we understand how we felt about that and what came of it. So, you know, this is why we work with lots of first time parents because it's the first time they've Mm. had to make these hard choices. It's the first time they can't pause when they need a break. It's the first time they've had the type of fights they're having with their partner. Mm. It's, it's the first time at all of that. And then obviously as we go, we get better at all of those things. And then, you know, this is why the world continues to be populated because <laughs> we we understand how it works and we get better at it. We work through those things and then we do decide, like, I could actually probably do that again because now I now I have so much learning from what I just did. So, yeah. But I think acknowledgement of it as a process mm. is a really good thing because yeah. it's not something you can just know. I really agree with that. And because I was thinking like, what would my answer for this be? And I think it's similar in that the word like race, like sticks out to me as in like, it's not a race. Like we're not meant to be speeding through the newborn baby, toddler, whatever age thing. Um, Cause I think we also all can think about like how fast it can go to. It's such a weird thing when you're in the thick of it, it's like the most painful mundane slowest thing of your life and now I'm sitting here with an almost five and a seven-year-old and I'm like oh where did that baby and sleepless nights and toddler that was driving me crazy go (laughs) so it's also really important to whilst you're in that process and that journey which is just things that are going to take time to take a moment to pause and reflect on when it was hard compared to where you are now because I think like you even said with resilience I think giving ourselves that acknowledgement of, hey, look, I did that. Hey, look, we did actually make it through is also helping to remember that you're on the other side of it. And I don't know if it's positive thinking because I definitely don't want to make this like a toxic positivity thing, but it's (laughs) just important to give yourself credit where credit's due. Like that was really hard. I thought it would never end. And now I'm here where I'm realizing, hey, it's not as hard or maybe it's not that anymore in a different way yeah yeah and I think we just need to realize that's just how it's going to feel in many ways but you can still feel good about that too if you give yourself some self-compassion and grace and you just slow things down a little bit and just check back in with yourself like is this actually aligning to what I'm wanting is this the life I want to have are there things that I can find solutions to or are there things that I have to accept yeah. And that's I think that's the key. That's the key positive, uh, toxic positivity wise. It's like, that is perfect. Let's, let's acknowledge stuff, but also let's figure out, yeah, what are the things that I do have some level of control over yeah. here? What it's absolutely great to, you know, increase supports when you're in a hard time or find answers to certain things that you need or do all of that. And then, yeah, what are those things that will not change and if that's the case, what do you do with your mind? Because that is what is left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if there is no answer to why your child is waking up so much, if you have tried everything, if this is going to be a stage, then how do you frame that in your mind so that you do keep going? Um and there are, you know, and, and it's it's one of those things where people can argue both sides, right? Can't they? One person would argue like people shouldn't reframe people should continue until something works and then um others can say I don't want to just um you know surrender because surrender has this thing of like giving up but actually like it's not giving up if it means that we get some of our agency back some of our energy back Mm. and it and it means that we get through in a better way it's so funny because as you're saying that I'm thinking 
about like I know there are people that are like oh I pushed through and I tried a million things and then this worked and that was great but I know for me when I was pushing through and trying a million things it made it so much worse and I felt so much more drained and so that word like surrender I always think of like flexibility and flow those were kind of the words that I like to use especially when you have like a baby and everyone's telling you about routine and scheduling and it's like well I can find flexibility in this and I can find some flow that's still going to feel good for me because my personality or just the way my energy works is not an on-the-go person. I like to kind of, you know, go with the flow kind of thing. And I think we forget that we can, yeah, like you said, we can still have some sort of agency in our lives, even though it feels like our lives are being run by by our little ones. (laughs) And and they still have our own moments. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it it is something that I find very tricky because I really don't like the whole thing of like, okay, let's just make mothers get to a point where they can like manipulate this and then, yeah. you know, other people don't need to step up. And I think we can mm. agree we are both not saying that. Mm. Um, as a society, we need to step up for mothers. As friends, family, partners, you know, yeah. everybody does community. need to step up. For, That's where it's Community at. needs to there's so much to do from a community perspective, but because we are talking about an individual perspective, I remember talking to one psychologist who's also based in Brisbane and she talked a lot about people um, working with their values. Mm. So for her, she had kids like very, very close together. And it meant that there was a little period there where she like really could not exit the home. Mm. Like she was just really, she was very much kind of like housebound for a little while there. And she said one of her values was nature. Mm. And for a little while, her every day going out to check the mail was her nature. Yeah. And that was what was doable. But she made sure she got outside she did that task and she came back in. Yeah. And that's how she did it because then from there it was like, okay, my nature thing today will be going for an actual walk around the block. Mm, building it up rather than expecting to go zero to a hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, Good and advice. I know that's really hard for people because if you've been, you know, and this is probably some of your clientele, but I know for me, this is everybody who comes to me, usually like epic high achiever mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. type A personality, you know, like perfectionist doing all of these things and then comes to motherhood and is finding that their life has to be more on the scale of like it's slower Mm. it's you know it's the complete kind of opposite feel so it can be really tricky to get to the point where they're like cool so going to the letterbox is gonna be my thing today (laughs) yeah but I think from the perspective you know that person was similar and I think for her it that felt good because it meant that she she knew that it aligned with her values. She knew mm. that it was a goal that she could tick off for the day and then that she could build on. And, you know, as you said, she blinks, years go past, and here she is and yes. her older. Um, but during that time, that was that was the way that she found worked. Maybe that won't work for everybody, but I mm. think it's important that people know that there are so many versions of that type yeah. of thinking that can help us when we're just in this zone where we really can't change a lot of the yes. outside factors. Yes. And when you have the other side of that spectrum where it's not the type A, then it's those people who feel like I should be. So they're like shooting themselves. So you okay. should a lot, which is like, I should be doing more. I should be doing this Pinterest activity. I should be True. going for walks. I should be putting up makeup and getting dressed in the morning. And those those shoulds usually come from not being aligned with your values. It's like you're trying to borrow or take from someone else's value. Or again, like we were talking about before with all the pressures that are put on us, it's something else that's trying to tell us this should be a value. And I even just said should then when I said that. <laughs> so yeah. I also talk a lot with clients about like whenever you notice that you're using the word should, you need to pause and pay attention to that. Yes. And like, I always say from a place of like, who said that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then people will be like, it doesn't belong to you. It's, mm. or, you know, like, or when on the other one is not just should, but when people say, people say such and such, or people are just saying yeah. that I should be doing this. And I'm like, who's people? And then usually people is like, oh, that's my mother-in-law or yeah. like, oh, that's my sister mm. or, 
Or, oh, it was this one random person in one Facebook group. Okay, well, actually, when we're thinking about people then, that was one person yes. with not very significant value to you. However, it's very different when people is somebody's mum. Yeah. Or people is somebody's partner. Mm. Yes. So, mm. yeah, there's context in all of it. But I agree. Shoulds and when we're having statements about that's another should, people are saying I should. Mm. Yep. Who is people? And what are they shooting you about? Yeah, <laughs> where, where is, is it coming, coming from? from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that also comes to like the truth. Um, we kind of think of like what people say is the truth. And it's I, I talk to people, I talk to people, I talk to clients. Now I've got people in my mind. <laughs> Who's <so>. people? <laughs> I talk to clients about how something may be like a truth, but it's not the truth. So what someone is even saying to you, that might be true for them, but it's not like the truth that everyone needs to follow or believe in. And it's just a whole lot of like wading through the muck of what everyone else is telling you, all the shoulds, all the information, and then trying to come back to yourself and that inner compass. And it's really hard to do, but it takes those baby step actions to eventually get to a place where you're like actually I'm sitting here right now quite happy with who I am and the choices I've made and I'm actually even happy about the mistakes I've made I'm okay with that I've made peace with that and just feeling a bit more like you're a puzzle piece with all your pieces belonging to you rather than them being splayed out everywhere else yes I really like that type of analogy and I think that's why you know um when we think about why it's so important to have social connection in this space. It it really is like having people around you who are happy to watch you put your own pieces together. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's a really nice space that we want to be in. And for lots of people, that's not the case. For lots of people, they've got unpacking to do about, you know, their parents who potentially yeah. put all of their pieces together for them. And yeah. th- suddenly they're a horse puzzle and they definitely are not a horse. <laughs> I was thinking like, even <laughs> love that so much. I was thinking, yeah, it's like someone else's puzzle piece and it's not fitting into yours. We can really ride this puzzle piece. We really can. Piece. It's a horse puzzle and then they put like a cockatoo's face on it or something. And you're like, I'm I'm actually a horse. So I just would really like my people who have the so horse puzzle pieces. what I would pieces. love everyone to take away from this conversation <laughs> is am I a horse, horse or, a or a cockatoo puzzle or leave the other puzzle pieces. Please message us so that's like our secret code to know if you've actually listened to this listen episode. To if you've gotten this far, well done. Oh, so funny. Oh, Gemma, I know that we could actually just keep on talking. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I love how we're ending on this hilarious note. But for people <laughs> yes. that want to find more of you, can you tell them where they can find you? Yes ironically on Instagram (laughs) I am on there (laughs) it is the best place to find me um it's got links to my website and to booking and to all of those things right now I am doing still my one-on-one work with clients so that's the main way people can work with me I also have my podcast called postpartum like a boss which is all just interviews with other people who have come into this parenting thing and how they felt about their transition it's something that I wish that I had when I was pregnant so that's what I created Um, and soon I'm hoping to do a group program which looks at the areas that I was talking about before because they're kind of the I think there's like six or seven key areas that come up in almost every one-on-one session that I have and I thought let's do this in a group session so that we can all share the shit show and understand each other's experience across these things that keep on coming up as individual issues. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Gemma. That'll be Mm. such a great group to have. I can imagine how beneficial that'll be for people joining. Mm. Yeah, it should be really good. Thanks again for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me.